Hi everyone, welcome to the PPUK podcast and this week we are doing 3121. So none of this 80s, 90s stuff, we're going straight into the 2000s. <laughs> okay. And with us today is Leah. Hi, I've got a lot to say about this one. <laughs> Andy. Hello people. <laughs> and Paddy. Hello. Who I believe requested this album. I can't remember who he came from specifically. Uh, I'm, I'm so okay. Oh, Leah. Yeah. Okay, so Leah requested this one. So let's get straight into it. Uh, Leah, why did you request this one? This for me has so many emotional ties, and I think it's one of the reasons why I absolutely adore this album. Spoiler alert. Um, I just remember it as being one of the first albums that came out as a new release that I was old enough to buy myself. So this is probably one of the first Prince albums that was current that I bought myself. It's probably one of the first albums I ever bought full stop. Um, and it was a real kind of flashback for me because my dad was an 80s person and he lost his way through the 90s and the noughties a little bit. And I remember putting on this album and it just all of a sudden feeling like a flashback. And even my dad was like, I can get into this, this, this I can get into. Um, so it really brought my dad into the modern era of Prince as well. So um, I absolutely love this album and I can't wait to take a deep dive. And Andy, what was your first impressions when listening to it? Uh, oh, in back in the day, uh, I remember thinking it was really quite solid, and I probably spun it for a few weeks, and then it, uh, nothing quite convinced for me. There's some high spots there, but I, I thought I thought it was solid. I was happy with it, but there wasn't a lot that stayed with me. And Paddy. Right. Well, I, I, I loved it. I have to say, um, I think I remember making the, the, the comment at the time, which bear with me, Andy, don't kill me. Um, <laughs> that I thought it was the best album it released since love sexy. And then I think ha- as time has gone by and I've listened to it more and more and it's had, you know, st- how it stands re-listening to and re-listening to and re-listening to, then I would say that the quality of probably diamonds and pearls and gold experiences as not uh, as overtaken that would if if you like um but no i my view was all of a sudden there was an album here where he was being eclectic again there was a there's a touch of the sign of the times insofar as there were different songs with different styles that were much more starkly different from one another um and he was you know he's doing a song over here that was a bit of a rocker a song over here which was minimalist groovy 80s style pop and a song over here which was a james brown jam and so on and so forth and boss you know boss and ovary type thing it, I, I absolutely loved it and still do I, I think it's comfortably his best post 2000 album for me personally Ooh. I won't kill you Paddy but I might have to maul you a bit oh okay <laughs> what about you Chopin what were your thoughts well I remember uh, when I first put it on just from track one I I was I was loving the album I liked it a lot more than Musicology and I gelled with it. I thought it was kind of like a much more warmer album than Musicology. Um, I was very into kind of the wilderness years in, um, and I seem to always be really into the, you know, the Jehovah's Witness jazz and having albums full of the same stuff, be it news, expectation, uh, rainbow children and stuff. I think musically I, I liked going on those kind of journeys. And I think love sexy was one of those, but, um, 
I this did kind of this was a well done uh example of the eclecticism of Prince, you know, like kind of where it was it wasn't throwing, you know, you know, the James Brown and everything and the synth pop and everything weren't jockeying position for positions in the same songs. It was just like, here's the synth one, here's the ballad, here's the funk one, here's the, you know, like and but they all see but he all made them made them gel quite well. And they were all, you know, having Lolita and Tiamo Carzon back to back is like they're very different sounding songs. And yeah, and I think it was quite a talent to make that sound like a cohesive album so i was kind of like okay this is for want of a better word this sounds like it has those kind of markers of a classic prince album in that it's not everything on one song it's you know like you know he kind of ditched the concepts for a while that he was really into concepts for the early part of the 2000s this seemed to be just about making good individual songs that kind of just flowed together so that was quite and that's what my first impression was and i really loved it i can i jump straight in and talk a little to what some people have said which is about the eclecticism i agree i agree i think for me there's just not quite and there's a few real near misses for me on this album that i would i would I would love to change up a few things on a few of the tracks and just push them that bit harder or just make a few different decisions. And then we'd be really talking about something uh, a bit, uh, it's, it's more a solid album to me than a really special album. And it's frustrating because my, my prime example of this is probably love. I really liked love for the first few spins and then I started to really hear how ugly the drums are. I can't get over the drums on Love. They really spoil what's what could be an excellent song to me. And there's a few th- moments like this throughout the album where I just think, yeah, Prince is being eclectic, but he's not doing it with quite the attention to detail he did, you know, back in the golden era. And uh, yeah, well, okay, that's my starting gambit. It's a little bit raggedy. It, the production is very hit and miss on this album for me. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's go into the track by track to find out which ones were hit and which ones are miss. Alrighty, yeah, nicely linked. Thirty-one twenty-one. The title track, first track. Um, who wants to take this one on first, Paddy? Oh, what a way to start an album. It's odd. I love I love the fact that he's using all the sort of whammy detune, just a, a deep, a deep, slow drum and bass groove. Um it's a it's just a great track and it's so weird. Um in a in a in a way, it's sort of sh- I don't know if it should or shouldn't work as an opening track, but I think it's one of those things in this particular album as the album's bedded in as I've listened to it over time. And I'm not saying this obviously because it's a title track, but it, it, it is just the perfect opener, perfect opener and a great live tune, which I think he's not really giving enough service to in, in, a, in the live environment, if I'm completely honest. Um, I believe this is, uh, I think, uh, Michael B played drums on this, right? Yeah. And Sonny T on bass. Yeah. Um, and it it's, Yeah just a, a unique, strange, deep, slow groove track. And the deep, slow groove is often more difficult, I think, to get right to the ear than other things. Um, so, yeah, absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. Mm. Leah? 
Yeah, I'll, I'll go in on this one. Um, I agree with the word strange, and that's what I absolutely love about it. I remember putting in the CD for the first time and that warped vocal coming in and going, oh, what's what's this? And for the first time in quite a while, I felt quite surprised by him um, because I feel as a Prince fan, you get used to being surprised by him. Okay. But So we get used to the little random inflections and little quirks. But this was the first track in a really long time that genuinely really surprised me. It had this weird, almost computer blue type feel about it. Everything felt a little off and a little strange. And I absolutely adored it. I think it's a brilliant opener for the album. And I think it's one of the best opening tracks Prince has on an album. Nothing makes me want to play the next track more than 3121 because it's it's just full of promise um, for quite... Um, a strange album, which maybe we could argue the album itself isn't as strange as the opening track mm-hmm. kind of says it's going to be. Maybe it could have been influenced a little bit more by the opening track. Um, but I think it's an absolute brilliant opener. I'm not going to be popular tonight. Um, I, yeah, I, the strangeness is something that I feel like Prince was kind of. You know, he used to do routinely back in the 80s. Everything was strange. Nothing was normal about Prince music. And I feel on 3121, he's on the track, he's trying to harness that and get back to it. And he's almost pushing too hard. I feel like, yeah, everything's sort of weird. It's sort of like, it's he's he's pushing too hard on this to sound weird and to sound princey. So to me, he's almost doing a kind of sort of um, pastiche of himself, pastiche of old weird prints. So it sounds a little forced to me. I do like the groove, but it never quite comfortably convinces. Now, the other thing that could have, again, this is a near miss for me, because the other thing that could have lifted it for me is if it was something that I cared about as a concept. So a good example would be 1999 was an amazing zeitgeisty song and album, obviously, right? Mm -hmm. But 1999 meant something as a series of four numbers. And 3121, we know, is the number of the house he was renting off a basketball player, right? Is that right? Um, And it means something to Prince in Prince's world, and it doesn't mean anything universally. So when he sort of goes, 3121, don't you want to come? And you can come if you want to, but you can never leave. I'm like, "Eh." It's, it's like he's looking to hit that crazy, weird, freaky high but it's kind of a, it's it's not a universal message to me. And that's what stops me really enjoying the song is like, he's he's to me, he's really trying to conjure up that old Prince magic. And it's like, and it gets halfway for me. I couldn't disagree with you more, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, I think, you know, obviously he, no, he's not looking for a wider universal meaning in the, like the songs like Paisley Park on 1999. It's like, come to my house and pie. You know, that's where the pie be. This, you know, it's it's more daddy pop. It's more uh, Kiss. It's more DMSR than it is 1999. In, in fact, if from the 1999 album, I'd say DMSR would be the song to compare it to, not 1999. You know, it's not the wider thematic thing. It's the kind of... But, okay, but I have to step in and say that DMSR works as well because it's about massive things dance music sex romance they're all huge things and this doesn't have an overlay uh, it doesn't have an over 
arching kind of um, something that you can get behind beyond Prince's interior world. That that's what it misses for me. Oh, I, so I don't need that from it. I mean, it's no, sunny, fair enough. It's sunny to see Michael Bland and Prince going off on their instruments in in a big way. It's like you know, Days of Wild Part Two. You know, it's it's all of those things. But the fact of the matter is, is like it's one of those jams that came up on a whim where you know sunny t and michael bland were just sound checking their instruments and prince was like um continue doing that i'm going to put the you know you know press play on the tape and walked in and picked up the guitar and it's just like i think actually this couldn't have been trying to be anything else at all this is the most instinctual one of the entire album actually because it's of the way it was created was him just going in there and going okay oh this is the groove we're in i like this and that's where the whole thing comes from it's a chlorine bacon skin it's you know like there's there's something that's like it's particularly organic and it i don't i see what i I do see what andy's saying as a as a similar minded 80s chap where where Mm -hmm. prince's music is is going i get that completely but it doesn't I, I don't think it hurts that he's pulling something in. I don't, and I don't think it's in any way detrimental because that's where he's been and he's not that person anymore. And you don't hear it all the time. Yeah. I think just having a, you know, a, a liberal sprinkling is kind of fine because we all know he's not, you know, he wasn't the same person at this point. And, and you listen yeah. to the other, the, the albums he'd released, the couple of albums released before and what have you. Um I, I like the song. It just doesn't quite convince me to the max, and I wish it did. So this would be one of those near misses for me. I th- For me, it's a perfect introduction to the album. Uh, if not sonically, thematically, it's like, come in, this is where the party is, and the rest of the album is the party. This song isn't the party. This is just the walking through the door and hearing the speakers. You know, like, essentially. Uh, so it's an introduction song in that sense, and deserves its place at the start i think sonically the guitars are on point the bass is on point the drums are on point it makes you pull a funk face it's stanky like you can't help but kind of grunt as the track works through i mean later era prince has this thing where there's a lot more to compare it to in in essence of what comes before it but you know like this is you know like if exodus was made mid-2000s you know to me sonically this is it fills me with serotonin and that's all i need from it i don't need it to explain the world um i think i think my joy from it comes from he's just spent like a few albums say like rainbow children and stuff explain the world in a way that i didn't quite like yeah so no one I quite liked it. that he wasn't trying to explain the world that he was just saying oh, the, the, so there was that kind of the other thing about it is i suppose on 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 rainbow children he was expect explaining the world in very specific terms with it with a sort of an agenda this this is very very genericized come in and have some fun it's like that that's for me that's like yeah that's what i want i'm not i don't have anything against big party jams i just know i could never quite picture what this was about even like i didn't even know that 3121 story till a bit later after the album i guess and you know that was his house number and like drink champagne out of a what was it a cup a glass with chocolate which, which I, i'm like what is this place like what is this party i, I i'm not, it's not it's not bringing it, it's very weird it's it, sensual it, andy he's being it, sensual he's, he, he's, 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 he's 
again, to me, it's like you're, you're hitting weird notes to set, uh, you, I don't mean musical notes. I mean, you, you're painting weird pictures to make it sound weirder, but I, they don't mean anything to me. A, a glass with chocolate handles, it just, it feels a little bit like one of those machines in Camden Town. But that I make, think make a chocolate fountain and dip, dip strawberries into it. It feels a bit chintzy, really. For me, but it's the a little thing bit is, like he probably it. had them at the parties. He, pr- he probably, I mean, like, it, so, he, he, I mean, prob- he probably, you and I are thinking he's, he's trying to be weird, and it's like, no, no, he actually had those. He probably <laughs> did, but it doesn't mean much to the casual listener and to, it just doesn't paint like I, again I'm gonna be mean but I, you know well I'm not gonna be mean I'm just gonna tell you what I think but maybe I'm a mean person but um I, I think it, it's just he, he used to be such a master like in the time songs which we'll come to shortly because Lolita is very time okay. um but in the time songs he would sort of conjure up this image of big cars and champagne and the high life and it was you could instantly get it it was like oh that's a milieu that's a place he's bringing you to when he says a glass with chocolate handles i'm like this is a it's a it's a little bit distasteful this party i don't get it it's oh, a bit well. cheap I kind of see it as the same sort of masquerade that the whole Purple Rain universe is. Like when you look around at the audience in First Avenue, he's kind of painting this pretend world that he's kind of building around himself. I see it as a very similar Uh play. Okay, since all four of us have given our opinion on that song, uh, you just mentioned Lolita, so let's move on to Lolita. Uh, Andy, you take this one first, since you obviously have strong opinions on this one. This is a time track. This is Prince just going, I want to be the time for a minute, which is fine by me. Um, It's like you've got everything about it, bar one aspect, which I'll talk about in a moment, is the time. Uh, You've got that return to the kind of big old sort of, um, well, slightly updated synth sounds, but basically it's it's rolling around a big kind of dan, 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 repetitive synth um, motif and... You get really what it's. It can only be a reprise to the. Um, uh, tell me who's cool. Are you cool? Uh, sorry, who's hot? Yeah. No, you want to know why? Because you're cool. You know, you have a you have a call and response that is straight out of the song "Cool," but just with slightly changed lyrics. It's almost exactly the same rhythmically as well. Um, interesting song in that regard because he obviously wants to let his hair down and. Again, to me, it's like, hey, I want to do some of the stuff I used to do so I can just do a time song for myself. That's fine. The one thing that works against it being like a classic quote unquote time song is that it's a song about like not having fun. Right. It's a song about like but it's saying, hey, hey, I, I want to do the whole time shtick. But it's a song about abstinence, which is a weird kind of like um, juxtaposition for what's happening in the music. He, he seems to want to have his cake and eat it here and say, um, let's get funky and groovy. But hold on a second. No naughtiness. So More I find like putting a cake on a pedestal and not touching it. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And that's that's kind of that's a really good. That's really well put. I think it, so it's it's actually sort of quite um, it, it's a song that's in checkmate with itself, really, or stalemate or something. It's like he wrote a song for the time, but with Larry Graham over one shoulder. Yeah, right. That's that's also true. I think you've put, uh, weirdly enough, I think you've just put, I, this song never really gelled with me. And I think you've just put the finger on the reason why. And it's that. It, it fights itself. Well, no, actually, it's that it's a time song. And, uh-huh. uh, and uh, I was never, I, I, there's a few good, really good party grooves and stuff. But 
I was never the biggest fan of those Time albums. I think it's just because I didn't hear them until probably 10 to 15 years later. Uh-huh. And like, what I, you know, obviously I know the songs in the movies and, you know, you know, I heard Shake before 77793.11. So it's like, and 77793.11 being uh, a good example of a Time song, but then, you know, like the kind of... Uh, what you doing after high school, you know, those kind of oh baby and stuff like that. And I was I was never a big fan of time songs. I liked time grooves, but not time songs. And kind of like you're right, this Lolita, I was never I the main synth is a little too cold and sharp for me. Mm-hmm. I think this this starts an era where he uses live some pretty cold, harsh synths that I'm not entirely yeah, almost uh, a little techno-y as well with that reverb going. Oh, sorry, yeah, that echo going on. But just a little too sharp on the uh, on the high end. Oh, guys, guys, Overthi- <laughs> overthinking, overthinking. It's <laughs> it's a touch you're going to shoot me now if you get older. Me, it's a touch of the hot summers here. It's for me, right? It's it's one of the things that Prince does so well. It's like bubblegum perfection. I don't, I sometimes I'm starting to think that I'm in very intellectual company and I'm like, I, I just listen for tunes and grooves and 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 riffs and, and how it makes me feel sometimes. It isn't that I don't take any notes of lyrics and I've said this before. I'm not a, I'm not a deep lyric person. Um, probably know most of, of, of Prince's 80s and to mid 90s lyrics off the top of my head and what have you, but I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's, a, it's a brilliant little, could have been a single, pop little mm, pop bun <laughs> it's just perfect i absolutely love it uh, bouncy i, I don't agree. yeah I, uh, for similar reasons as the fourth track as well it, it plus i like the way that they've sequenced it on the album it's an an absolute perfect little antithesis in many ways to to 3121 uh, not that i think per, uh, 3121 brings you down but it's like a serious grinding in your face groove this is like it's fluffy it's bubblegum it's catchy it's simple i'm not i'm not it's gone from it, all bass to all treble yeah it, it doesn't make me concentrate the presentation doesn't make me concentrate overly on what he's what he's saying and why he's saying it. I mean, yeah, it does sound like somebody who's trying to tow a party line whilst really wanting to get badly laid and so on and so forth. But but uh, I do agree with that. But um, it doesn't affect my ability to sort of enjoy it. And ultimately, it's just about the, the, the tune, if you like. But that's just me. Leah? Yeah, I feel pretty much exactly the same way. Again, with this album, a lot of it's going to be quite emotionally connected for me. So um, what is the lyric? Uh, Come here and show me some ID is one of the lyrics in there. And as I've mentioned in previous podcasts, I've never, I saw him once legally. I was underage at every single gig I saw him at. So um, when this album came out, I was like, what? 10 12 or something like that dancing around thinking i'm lolita you know um <laughs> so i absolutely love this track um but it, it is it is hot summer and i like it for the same reasons as paddy kind of um hinted at there as hot summer it's just easy it's fun it feels like a summer song it's not difficult listening it's bouncy and i agree it's a complete perfect little follow-up from 3121 um, and it's strange when you look at the track listing for this album 3121 Lolita and then Tiamo Corazon could you get three more different songs and yet I just feel they sit perfectly together as these complete parallels and I think that's why like I wasn't able to 
uh, to dismiss, you know, like, you know, like concentrate. That's why I'm concentrating so hard on this one in this, in that sense. It's because sonically it's like 3121 is interesting. And Tiama Kazan is sumptuous and gorgeous. And Lalita in the middle is different. And that's great. Uh, but I, I think it kind of. Just to what maybe I'll, teach it as a, maybe I'll treat it more like a palate cleanser than uh, as you know. What I'd say to Paddy is that it's a good bubblegum song, but it's not a great bubblegum song. So that mm. to, to me, it's kind of got to be great. It's got, it's got to just be great to get by on that alone. And it's only it's only very good for me. And this is all by Prince's standards, you know that yeah. goes right. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah, exactly. Uh, but like again, it makes me think of when he could roll out stuff like this for the time, or roll out real bubble gum for Vanity and Apollonia, and and it really, it, so I, yeah. it's a it's amazing anybody could do this, but he used to do it better. I'm sorry, I, I should just I, leave see, now. I, See, I disagree. I think this sounds better than some of those time bubblegum ones. And I, I, I it's only because you're saying that it reminds me of those things. I'm like, yeah, it does. And that's probably why I don't like love it as much as a lot of this album. Uh, I don't I dislike it. Uh, it kind of reminds it, but it's it's back to some of those what the oh babies and stuff like that. Uh, later I'll give a second listen. Uh, I do I do think that that making that sort of bubblegum stuff suits a younger artist who's having fun better. That, and that's why he's trying to address that in the lyrics as well. And it's, it, there's a lot, there's a lot to kind of, he's trying to cover a lot of bases with that song, I think. Oh, right. Okay, let's get back in this. And, and Tiamo Corazon. Tiamo Corazon. Can I take this one first? Go yeah. Uh, um, Claire Fisher Strings. I love this. This was the first song we heard from, uh, that I think I heard from the album. I think this is brilliant. I think it is a great song. I think it's beautifully delivered. Uh, it's, it's so beautiful well-rounded as a production as a sound it's like as i said before it's sumptuous it's silky it's oh i just love it i mean I, i've got no minuses on this one no minuses um as well for me as i've said before i'm not a big fan of particularly post 80s ballads by prince slower stuff it isn't i don't like anything but not as much as up-tempo songs this song, along with another song, oddly enough, on this album, is a bit of a exception to that rule for me. Mm. It's absolutely beautiful. And it is lifted even further for me as being a, a special song because of the uh, Brit's performance uh, and what he did with this and Fury. Because it is, again, another song he should have played so much more live. His guitar work on this is, oh, it's just beautifully sublime. I mean, it, the, the nature of the song, the chord structure lends itself to a slightly off-center guitar approach. But no, this song is is completely beautiful. Um, a, a different a vibe we probably haven't heard before as far as my, my head can tell me. Um, and I don't know, it just lands somewhere that is that other ballads that he's done haven't landed for me. And, and it's fantastic. I think the closest sonically before is like Madrid to Chicago or something like that. And even that was more, it was more uh, electronic drums versus full band kind of feel. But I, I mm -hmm. yeah, 
it's I'm with you on like I'm not a slow put a songs person with Prince, but you know, but <laughs> well, so I'm more of, I'm not a kind of love ballad person with Prince. This is gorgeous. Uh who's next? I'll go. Um I mean it's good, it's polished, it's shiny. I'm sorry. Oh my gosh, it's she's the handy of this one. <laughs> only the listeners could see your faces. Um <laughs> no, it's it's beautiful. Everything about it is beautiful. Uh, and that that's kind of it. I, I love his ballads because for me there's always an edge, there's always a rawness to them, a slight rasp, like the key change in D, uh, in a door. Um, and things like that. And they're the songs from him that I absolutely adore when it comes to his ballads. For me, it's a little bit too polished. I think it's a brilliant single. Whenever I think of the song, I don't know if you remember the videos. I just remember seeing Prince's feet and being like, oh my God, I can see Prince's feet. That's never happened before. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so that was a complete distraction. Um, but I just think it's almost too nice for me. It's not a bad song. I, I don't dislike it. But when I think of this album, it's like one of the last tracks that come to mind for me. It's almost too polished. I wish a little bit of the title track had just spiced itself over the this song a little bit. I'm surprised at all the love it's been getting. Um, I always thought it was a very slight song. It sounds very generic to me, actually, as a melody. It sounds sort of like, oh, I'm kind of going to be doing, uh, as you eat your dinner in Spain, I'm going to be coming around and playing Tiama Corazon, and you're going to be enjoying a lovely uh, paella over a... um, uh, a glass of wine and a candle in a big old bottle with wax dripping down it, a wicker, a, a, a bottle with wicker over it. Um, it's a bit cheesy. Um, I actually think it's not polished enough in some ways. Uh, I think this this reminds me nothing of nothing so much as a really good Sting song. Sting uh, and uh, like Sting used to love doing this sort of thing, this kind of exotic Mediterranean kind of business. And I think he actually would have done it straighter. It it it, it doesn't sound actually quite. I am going to start liking stuff on this album, but not yet. Um, it it just it, it it's weirdly it's got too many little Prince Prince affectations in it to make it one thing to make it purely a beautiful performance. It's got too many little clever bits trying to buoy up something that I think is too slight. It it just, it, it isn't quite tasteful and polished enough to really sell itself to me as a lovely song. So I got to say, this is a miss for me. It also occurred to me that the melody really borrows, uh, I'd, I'd like to know what Chopin thinks about this. It hit me that the melody kind of sounds like thunder, Chopin. The verses. Um, so the, so the wait, wait, is, thousand feet above the sea. Yeah, like that kind of. Thunder. It, it, it oh. kind of borrows some thunder. This is neither a plus nor a minus. Just a just an interesting phrasing, observation. Rob, there's a kind of similar phrasing, but you know, you write eight thousand songs, that's going to happen. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> like you know, um, but that that's not a diss. That's just um, you know. I, no, no, I know, I know, I don't take it for uh, for what it is. I can't explain to you or kind of really put into the words why I. It just gives me all the feels from the 40, yeah, yeah, from the forty-two thousand feet above the sea. You know, like you know, it's uh, to me, it's like you know, it's uh, that's where you and I first came to be. It's uh, again, it's like one of those beautiful lines, like it's been seven hours and thirteen days, where that just kind of plants you in a space, kind of. 
emotionally and stuff and he, I, and uh sitting all alone in an all-white room feeling like the color blue for me it's like once it starts that, with a line like that that's like, really I'm nice here, i'm here for wherever it's going because it's like when you start with line like that um you've you've planted me emotionally uh, and uh geographically both at the same time so i'm i'm good for this storytelling and that's how and and also the kind of the reed instruments just kind of in and out of a very slight kind of Uh you know i'm all of it works for me because i'm i'm not i'm more like kind of like hearing someone tell a story around the fire rather than kind of okay let let me tell you a line that does jar for me the knowledge tree gets in there and that that's um you know to do with uh weird well, scripture and um yeah i mean jehovah's witness stuff and it, it jars me it, it jars knowledge tree is not specifically jehovah's witness stuff i mean knowledge tree is pretty much any anybody that reads the bible would be talking about the knowledge tree it, it sits funny in this song though it's it's print it's um, print bringing not if you're kind of comparing your relationship to kind of like an adam and eve type thing you know if you're trying to get back to adam and eve which is what you're saying in greatest romance as well uh i'm here that kind of stuff i can i can yeah, that's non-judgy that's about what you're trying to do with the person you're with that i can kind of i'm here i'm he, i can listen to that doesn't jar uh-huh. me out of it because uh, just from a point of view it's kind of like it's kind of it's talked about the purity of a relationship and i know if it was on rainbow children yeah i'd have some issue with it. But <laughs> here just putting in a biblical reference i'm you know i'm not entire uh, it merely putting in a biblical reference doesn't kind of throw me out and okay good i'm gl- i'm glad you all like it i'm not trying to make you dislike it what for oh no, one no instance. Just like... <laughs> i think I... to be honest we, we wouldn't be listening to him at all if we couldn't take the odd jar in biblical yeah. reference. <laughs> so it is it is what it is anyway let's move on to something which is a little bit more straightforward in its intention possibly go on shopes off you go Ah, yes, 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 yes. Okay, well, I'm going back to back. So, Black Sweat. Um, What can I... This is from kick drum all the way up the tracks to the highest synth note. I think it's bliss. It's just, it's amazing for me. Love it. Uh, Start to finish. I don't need to think too hardly about it. I just need to groove with it. Uh, There's no sounds that chuck me out of it sonically it all fits in together it's one of those ones where i put it's one of those ones from this area that if i play it with non-prince fans around they're still into it they're not kind of going mm, yeah i preferred this and they're, they're like oh you know like it was one that non-prince fans were going have you heard this new prince track you know so it was good on that sense uh what more can i say it's just a <laughs> solid danceable Put it on a prince party and you got a full dance floor. Period. I'm sorry. When you said, What more can I say? All I thought was, I really want to play in your river. <laughs> Do like that song. <laughs> I, I, I really like that song. Um, um, yeah. It's, who wants to take up the mantle on that one? Do you, Andy, do you want to go straight after me? Yeah, yeah. Seeing as I interrupted you in the first place. Um, yeah, this is a really good song. Hallelujah. 
I don't think I realised how good this was at the time, actually. We yeah. got there! Well, we're always going to get there. I'm saying she doesn't like it. <laughs> um, I, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it, it nods back to some earlier glories, but it's its its own thing. It's really nice to hear Prince hitting hard and uh, being controlled and restrained in this song. And that that is a good hearkening back to me. Um, it's pretty... Uh, it, it, it's it's just very on point. It pleases lots of people, Prince fans and otherwise. And I'm delighted it's on the album, and I'm delighted he was still making music like this into the 21st century. So, yeah, massive two thumbs up at last. Yes, we have this we have this thing sometimes. <clears throat> possibly those of us who are more who gravitate more to the 80s, but every now and again you do hear a bit of something and you think, oh my god, that's there's an aspect of that that's the kid, that's the guy. And I heard it in this when I heard it the first time. Um, don't get me wrong, it doesn't make up the whole thing, but I heard that and it blew me away. I, um, In fact, I think I, I jumped up and down and told my then wife like oh, this, this this is this is old prince this is old prince he's back yeah, yeah a little <laughs> bit i yeah i may have you know as time goes by you equalize and stuff but i, I still i still think there's a bit of that there it's simple it's nasty that's the point uh it's nasty without being overtly visceral and, and that's something that prince can really pull off mm. um but yeah i mean musically yeah a, a typical prince a typical prince um production you've you've got a really basic drum beat a, a lovely little sort of synth line that only the dogs can hear in parts it, <laughs> it, the whole thing it just it, it's just absolutely brilliant and a fascinating one live without the sort of, with, without the loop with the actual live drums it's really nice track but um interestingly yeah. like this is the one where he pulls out the bass to do bass solos on you know a lot of the time yeah. so yeah. it was kind of interesting that you know, it's like choosing. It's like choosing Kiss live to do the uh, bass solos on, and it's and this one as well. It's just like that. Well, there's it, no bass guitar on it, so what I'll do is when it hits it, it live, it, it does feel like he was reclaiming some ground with this song in a good way. Classic, and classic minimalist Prince. We show kind of myself to the brief brief word about this before we started. It 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 isn't a sign of the times. It isn't a dove's crying. It isn't a kiss. Nope. For me, but. I think it sort of sits in it there and thereabouts in in a certain way. I think it hold, holds its own comfortably. I, I think it says, "Hey, remember, I invented this stuff." And now, oh, that's a brilliant way of yeah. putting it. Brilliant way of putting it, Andy. Weirdly, and I, weirdly, I think the last time he actually did that was "Strange but True," but it never got released as a single. And I think that's the last time that he, before Black Sweat, that he inha inhabited that kind of space. Mm -hmm. I it's interesting that you kind of note that um, it's harking back to kind of old school prints because for me, after the track 3121, this is the first time that it's got that 3121 spice on it again because you kind of don't have it for Lolita and Tiamo Corazon, but mm -hmm. definitely have it for Black Sweat. So they they carry something that's just inherently prints about them for me, those mm. two tracks. And it's um, harking back to um, what made him who he is and why we all kind of fell in love with the music. Definitely. I also think that there's, there's one thing that you probably wouldn't have had back in the day, which is he, he wouldn't have been as um, overt as to say Black Sweat. He was, I think he was 
A, reminding you who made up this stuff in the first place and B, coming forward with a more black identity than he was sort of, than he was, um, you so, know, wanting, wanting to put forward in the 80s. I heard a really interesting story about this from Mayor and Nandi McC- uh, McLean, the twins. Uh-huh. They did a live not too long ago and apparently the origin of the title Black Sweat originally didn't stem from that. Apparently they were in a dance rehearsal and Prince was getting sweaty and he hadn't washed all his hair dye out of his hair. So the twins halfway through were like, Prince, what is that dripping down your face? And it was hair dye. And that's where the black sweat originally came from. It got twisted lyrically and evolved, yeah. became what it later was. But the actual phrase initially was from that dance oh, rehearsal. That, that, that is interesting. But I do, I mean, absolutely. I think, uh, but you know, he, he knows what it means to have black in the title and yeah. to say black oh, sweat. In, in oh, yeah, yeah. So, so he's using that as an inspiration, but actually yeah. like he, he, you know, clearly played around or obfuscated uh, his race in the eighties and, you know, played fast and loose with all sorts of notions. Thank you. Yeah. And then in the, you know, and in the 21st century, he started to reclaim or, you know, Stake a claim to yeah. yeah yeah stake a claim to a black heritage and to support black causes more overtly and stuff. So this song does a lot of great work and it's and it's proper minimalist hard hitting print. So yeah, I think we that's a big yes from everyone, right? Yeah, that's good other, stuff. Okay, incense and candles. Um, first time that I remember him using auto tune. Yeah, can you remember any other auto tune songs from his since? Uh, um yes there are there are songs that have used auto-tune sense um uh, but not in this way not in the kind of share the believe kind of way yeah 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 this is in a creative way yeah Yeah, exactly this this stands alone right in that respect i think mary mary shackles way it's it's you know is around at the time kind of way so that that Sorry, go. Uh, well, I was going to say that dates the song instantly. And I think mm. even when Prince used this, it was quite a dated technique. It didn't seem like he was ahead of the game for sure. Three or four years old by this point, yeah. Well, he, he started rapping in the 90s, so he's like... Yeah. Mm. <laughs> True. Wait <laughs> <laughs> a minute. For me, this is a bit lightweight, if I'm honest. I um, This this and one of the song are probably my two at the bottom of the in brackets to be understood, pile of Prince songs on, on an album, close brackets. But um, yeah, a, a little bit throwaway. I don't I, I don't dislike it, um, but again, I, it doesn't do tons for me either. So I'd probably just leave that there. Leah, you seem to have an, uh, a disagreement on that one. So that's kind of... I really rate this track. And I feel like looking at all the little squares on my screen that I'm going to have a bit of a fight on my hands. Um, <laughs> I really like it. Hang on, when when you say little squares on your screen, uh, what, what exactly do you mean? Everyone's little squares. No, no, I was implying there was a little bit more attention. <laughs> but go on, go on. Go on. So um, yeah, I really rate this song. Um, I love the use of um, Tamar throughout the whole of this album. Um, I think it puts it as a really direct period. We have obviously had other um, backing singers, Rose Gaines, and all that, and you do associate them with certain periods but because she was predominantly used on just this album i think it's a really unique sound that wasn't used anywhere else and it really um gives an identity to this album um as opposed to you know artists like rosie Gaines. that's a whole period 
Um, so I really love the use of that. It feels like almost chanting the mantra kind of throughout. I love the whole thing again. And it's got that 3121 spice on it. I feel like I'm in the 3121 kind of club nights, um, just grooving. It doesn't have to be this big standout, um, extraordinary track for me. Um, it's just kind of enough on its own. Um, but I absolutely love it. It just makes me think of Purple Velvet and the inlay to the album with the pictures of the 3121 house. It just almost feels like the theme tune to all of the artwork that the whole album encompasses for me. Andy? Um, funny little song, really. Mostly, I'm, I'm tending more Paddy than uh, Leah on this one, I think. Um, I don't... Uh, it doesn't do much for me the way I... I'm, I, I, I'm slightly down on it rather than slightly up on it, but it's it's a very average track for me. Um, oh, is that what you got? To- I think so. Yeah, and I think I bet. Yeah, I don't. I don't really. I'm sorry, Leo. I don't really like all the chintziness of the imagery. It's. I guess it's sort of kind of funny, but like it doesn't. It's to no great effect. And then the the auto-tune is too much, actually. Oh, see, I actually, I've got to say, this is a song, I can smell this. It smells like Garden of Eden joysticks. Uh. No incense to me. You know, like, it's, I really like this. And I love the fact that you got some really close, great harmonies. Like, almost like, because he's used auto-tune, he's, trying to prove that he can you know like uh-huh. prove that he can actually sing it's like not that he actually needs to but like you got this kind of when he says lines like willing and able and he's like willing and able it's like mm-hmm. a big group this really tight group vocal that sounds lush to me um it's mm. really kind of you know it's got this kind of weird kind of percussive you know it's smooth but it's percussive it's 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 easy uh, it's got a lot of nice space. It's I I think it's better than I think it is. You no, know, it's, <laughs> it's not as it could be quite claustrophobic, but it sounds like a boudoir with the windows open as opposed uh-huh. to closed. Do you know what I mean? It's uh, I don't know. I I've no musical or kind of big picture reason for this to work for me i just i just settle into it very easily at the start and smooth you know and i'm i'm good by the end and i and there's some really beautiful vocal moments uh group vocal moments even when he does the kind of the rap thing it's really nice how the whole thing just starts to bounce and then goes back into yeah i quite like the double beat where he starts rapping yeah. that sounds like he's got my darling let's go as you know that sounds like he's got an idea you know like it's just like okay like we're suddenly we're like part in the middle of this thing and then smooths on out i think it's i don't know if it's something that requires as much discussion like that much discussion i just think it's like a little candy drop of sound and and that it works for me in that level a palate cleanser not even that. I, I no. I think palate cleanser. I, you know, a candy drop is not a palate cleanser. It's a flavour. <laughs> you know, it, to me, it's like a little sweet treat. And I see. I see. So a little bit one, of velvety chocolate, and then back. You know. Fair enough. One thing I will say about it is I do. I do like his use of the auto tune in it. I don't. 
yeah, it's neither over nor underdone, and it, it's used to a nice creative effect in the context of it's very overused holistically everywhere type of thing by that time. But yeah, I, I, I kind of like what it does with it, but I don't love it. <laughs> I see Which what is, you did there. Just see what I did there. And so you there. Can I go first with this one, please? Of course. After, after that, yeah, you have to. <laughs> I have no choice, really. No. <laughs> this this is a really really strange song for me because I have a really really odd opinion of it, which is not uh, is not criticizing Prince or anything. Uh, it's just a, something that my mind will not let go. And when this, there is something sort of quite nasty about this tune when it starts. The little pitch bend stuff, nah, 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 nah. and it sounds like it's gonna. So at the point where it goes, da, 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 when it goes in that direction, I'm like, oh no, it's gone like a little bit too sweet, sweet, and yeah, sweet and major for me. And I'm sort of like, what I want at that point is some really nasty funk guitar to kick in, mm-hmm. or even a little bit of a, a sort of an electric. Low, low in the mix electric riff or something, and I, it was as if for me it's a, <clears throat> and again this is this is a very, um, uh, very very subjective thing I appreciate, but it, it just felt as if it got to this this sort of fork in the road and went entirely in the direction that having loved everything up until that point I really didn't want it to go and I've never yeah. been able to get away from that with this song now that isn't to say that I don't like it and as a piece yeah it, it's okay it's bedded in but oh my goodness I would have loved if it had gone nastier in the other direction is all I'll say about that so a really it stands as a very it, it made me react in a way that no other Prince song out of these hundreds and hundreds of Prince songs has ever made me react before so it's kind of special to me just for that because it prompted this sort of diametric thing of ah don't go that way don't go that way and and it's a strange thing and i, I that, yeah that's all i'd say about it. it's very odd. i think it really works hmm? i think it really really works when you look at the lyrical content it's kind of this love hate thing and i love that it kind of goes from this more aggressive to then to this sugary more bubblegum feel it feels like the kind of emotional thing is trying to convey if that makes sense um, but this is that song for me on the dance floor when you're at a Prince party or something and it's like halfway through the night or getting towards the end of the night. It's that song that you sing with one hand on your chest and another one pointing at someone across the dance floor. It's that song. <laughs> and I flipping love it. It is one of my favourite songs on this album. It, I clean When I'm cleaning the kitchen, this is what I'm screaming on the top of my lungs. Like when I'm cleaning the sides, this is my jam. I absolutely adore it. I love the kind of two different emotional sides of it um it's it's funny you should say that because this is this is one of the songs i've often thought to myself if we did this live i'm sure it could do something uh, just just do, do the same thing obviously you wouldn't know you would never alter a prince song obviously 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 but just i don't know orchestrate a certain way um i don't know anyway that's very very presumptuous it could it could be really i get what you mean it could really have that funk face kind of throughout it that really gritty feeling um, but I think for me, it would lose the essence of kind of the lyrical content of what it is putting across if it kind of stayed. Oh, yeah, it has to be throughout. It has to be what he intended it to be. I mean, yes. that goes, goes without saying <laughs> or strike me down. <laughs> Andy, I'm fascinated. Go on. Yeah, I've, I have a similar. You've identified something that bugs me about it, too. I don't think the two, the, the, the real sort of minor funk one note aspect of it 
then going to a big chorus, a big major chorus, quite gels actually. And I, um, the drums, as I mentioned earlier, really, they're too ugly for me. They're just, they're not the right sort of ugly. They're not hard in the right way. But mostly this song just reminds me of a Michael Jackson track. Um, the verses especially, like, stop telling me what they did. It, it's very, very similar to sort of, um, uh, you know, your typical sort of don't do this, don't, why you want to trip on me, uh, leave me alone type Michael Jackson. I've never thought that, but now it, you say it. it. It's really Michael Jackson. Kind of, yeah, I suppose. I love those Michael yeah. Jackson songs. Yeah, yeah. And if you think, yeah. but if you take those Michael Jackson songs, they do have a melodic bit, you know, like, oh, absolutely. I don't care about us. There's, there's the, there's the lift. And I, th- I think the lift is there for a very good reason. The lift is there. It, it's do. It's musically describing what the lyrics are saying, like a bird flying over the hilltops. It's like you're lifting up. You're kind of, and then you're back into the serotonin of it and from a mu- from a like from a dance point of view i like there is not one sinew in my body that doesn't love dancing to this not uh, one sinew the, 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 this to like, me this I, I because it's like you got that you got it you got that ripping and and then you've got you've got in terms of that lift what it does while you're dancing is a breather and and it kind of clarify you know it's kind of like it's an opportunity to dip back in and make it give it a double punch it's like because if you stayed on it 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 just becomes like there but it it gives you an opportunity to uh, you know whatever you want it to be boom so it gives it gives you it gives you an opportunity to punch with the same like with the same fist and I, I love the clattering clunkiness of those drums. I know, they're not mm. clean. They're not precise. They're. I love it all on paper. It just doesn't hit the sides for me. See, I love it all physically. Uh, I yeah. mean, I, I, however it sounds physically, that song is a physical memory for me more than it is a sonic one. And I like. I have to go. You know, it's the from a kind of dancer point of view it passes the test in that I don't sit still. And from my point of view, that's check, 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 check. Even that lift makes me move in a different way, which is beautiful, which is fantastic. 100% agree. Yeah. yeah. From like something. So I guess what we can get from this is, um, it's a love, oh. love that keeps me satisfied. Oh, you stole my thunder, man. All yours, Chopin, all yours, brother. You can almost okay, say you were furious. <laughs> no, 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 no! You broke me, Lee. You broke me. Okay, this <laughs> yeah, right. I'm not right, getting this, involved. We can, we can, we. This can be edited. Go on, Paddy. <laughs> what, what was the link you were going to do? But first of all, somebody has to stay above this, Andy. Respect. Um, satisfied, <laughs> right? Um, this again, ballad. It, it's it's one in a in a little bit I guess of the, for me to my ear anyway should I say in the tradition sort of the do me baby scandalous type of ballad <sighs> this sort of very solely ballad it can it can just churn out at, at will can Prince and I think for me that's something that just I, I can't invest I don't dislike it I think it lifts certainly when it's live it's live versions you can get behind it and do a lot of the things which represent him best in a live context mm-hmm. for ballad delivery no problem with that at all but um 
yeah, there's, there's, there's better stuff. Just, just, just to the other thing I just wanted to say, the other thing to remember again, tracking of this album, we're seven songs in and again, eclectic, 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 mm-hmm. different, 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 different. Everyone that we talk about, we're outlining things that make them different. And that in itself just what? makes me tingle. Love it. Love it. Yeah. Here's where I think, to be quite honest, I could say the same thing about on the couch somewhere here on earth and satisfied. They're pretty much the same song. Um, uh, to me, uh, like, I mean, I, is it a diss? Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I mean, uh, it, it doesn't do much for me. Standard kind of bluesy ballad. Uh, they're interesting in life because he does interesting things with them because he's a consummate showman. But if you're talking about the album, it's mm, it's it's okay. I mean, um, the, the live versions like on Indigo Nights with the kind of, you know, she's a cockeyed woman, like, all of that kind of stuff that was great like when he would did the thing at 30, uh, on the 21 nights when it's like learn to use a toilet seat if it's up put it down mm-hmm. you know, like all of that stuff was great but the but on the album these songs i think kind of mm-hmm. um they're and you know unless i'm purposely listening to the whole album these are my you know these kind of songs are my skippable tracks but that's but i'm sure you know the, the, I'm sure they're great for somebody else, but they don't do much for me. It's interesting that you put it in with On the Couch and what was the other track you said? Uh, Somewhere Here on Earth. Earth. Somewhere Here on Earth. I wouldn't put it with those. I would put it with Scandalous and Insatiable. Insatiable goes. Yeah, yeah, definitely. For me, they have the same effect on me whether that means i just particularly like this song more <laughs> which i think i yeah. probably do um i absolutely adore it i love the it's slightly more sexy than i would say on the couch or somewhere here on earth it's got a rawness to it that i think those tracks um not lack but i think when in um, yeah. comparison to satisfied lack and i really love this song and that might also be to do with the fact that I waited for hours watching the entire American Idol show because he was rumoured to be on. And he came on and did Lolita into Satisfied. And I remember sitting for hours. I never watched any of those shows. I wasn't into them at all. And me and my dad were very anxiously kind of waiting for him to come on. And if you remember, there was the whole, oh, no more special guests for tonight. And then he just barged on and it was brilliant. Um, and I, I absolutely adore it. That and Lolita, when I think of this album, are the two songs that come to mind for me. Mm, I am... Um... I'm mostly with Paddy. He can do this stuff in his sleep. I think it comes to life more in a live setting because it's a, essentially a comedy song waiting to happen. He needs, you know, live this became hamming it up, being the kind of old funky. It, it's, it, it's like this is a soul ballad or a, a sort of gospel soul ballad sung by the guy from Chlor- Chlorine Bacon Skin when he's old and gnarly himself and he's playing that kind of, yeah, I'm kind of old but wrinkly, kind of sexy. And it, it, it's it, it's a comedy song that doesn't push itself on record. It, it was actually, it surprised me. I enjoyed it more than I thought I would re-listening to it for this podcast. But I can, th- th- there's many, many times he did similar stuff better um, I think it takes on the couch to me because on the couch never seems to get quite started. I never quite understand the shape of on the couch at all. I, 
almost drift off by the end of the first verse on on the couch. Um, corner sofa. Sorry, corner. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, <laughs> um, satisfied. It's it, it's it's corny. It's intentionally corny. It's it's funnier live, so it's better live. It, I, I think it's ironic. It's the last thing it leaves me is satisfied. You're right for sure. <laughs> well, I mean, I, like, sorry, I was just going to say, like. When you can phone it in like that, and it and it's still just like it, it's effortless. It's not great, but it's still it's just like again. Prince was so he was a victim of being so good at so many things. How do you make it sound sincere every time? Yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, it, it it's it goes back to he can. It, it's like a, the sausage machine. Is this one for him? He can just pop them out, pop them out, pop them out. And it, yeah. And, and they're all of a quality. And again, completely play to a lot of his strengths live as a balladeer, um, a sultry, wide-ranging voice. Uh, absolutely. But, but, but by yeah, heard stand- lots of them. Yeah. yeah. Generic yeah. by Prince's standards. Yeah. Which will leave some people furious. So I'm just going oh. to keep, I'm just going to keep going with this. So yeah, yeah. Um, Fury. This, this, the way that this song is pitched on the album from a sonic perspective, it really makes me think of "I Could Never Take You Place Your Man" because it's like a um, sort of a, a breezier driven pop rock tune that, when you hear it live, is bang. Uh, in the similar way as I feel about "I Could Never Take the Place Your Man," the version on the album is quite light, quite breezy. It owes probably more, in a way, to Raspberry Beret than it would Peach. But when you hear it live, it's it's in your face sort of thing. Um, real performance. Yeah, I, I, that, that, that's where I was going. Oh, sorry. No, actually, I was I was going to stick with the Brits, oddly enough. Yes, the Saturday Night Live performance, brilliant. Yeah. Um, but for me, um, th- those two at the Brits were utterly killer. It, it's uh, They were so strong that the fact that, that Wendy and Lisa were on the stage with him, I think for first, I think the first time since 1989 in Minneapolis and Love Sex Tour, that... I think somebody can probably correct me, but the fact that, you know, it all dropped down and she played the first card of purple rain. And I burst into floods because of what it meant to me, but on rewatches, the power of those two songs at the beginning, they, they equalize that, that for me, that was, Oh, I was going to say his best. And I'm sure I'll think of something that preferred more, but even with the 80s stuff, that four song set was one of the most superb, perfect bits of um, um, an artist presenting two distinct ages of his stuff in a medley that I've seen since Queen did what they did at Live Aid. It was absolutely fucking stunningly powerful, stunningly powerful for me. And I really, really liked it rather a lot. And Fury is a good song. And he can churn those kind of rock songs out. But yeah, it works and it stands, it's, it, it fills it fills a certain place on this album and it does it justice. I won't say it's stupendous as a song in its own right on the album necessarily. Um, but for me, I just can't not hear those live ones and have those connotations. I don't know the live performances, so I have I, I have to just go from the you've I, on it, you've never seen the 2006 Brits. You've never seen the performance, Andy. I, I I'm not I I honestly not sure that I have. Uh Okay, uh, we're gonna have to get treats, treats for Andy, treats for Andy. Well, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I'm gonna j- go from 
I, I've probably seen a performance of Fury on something, probably the SNL one, actually, um, if I've seen anything live at all from it. Um, on the record, it's like, it's all right, you know, it's pretty good. It's, I'm glad it's where it is. I, I think one of the, one of the stro- strengths of this album is that we've been talking about the eclecticism of it a lot. So it, and I think it was Paddy at the start who said that it holds together as a set, or someone said that. Well, I'll say it now. Um, it's an impressive... It, it, all, all the pieces are in the right order because Fury needs to come right here at this point in the album as the kind of um, doorway to the end of the album. It, 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 it's really, it's really, I think that's what's impressed me about the album as a whole is that it doesn't just feel like a bunch of stuff at all. It, it's got a really nice shape and Fury really helps the shape. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It's good enough, and it does what it needs to do to propel the album into a, an interesting sort of uh, uh, more generous ending. It's a it's a nice bolt. It's, it's, think, it's, a, it's a nice shot in the arm at this point in the set. So yeah, I'm I'm for it basically. And, I, and I, it, sorry, yes. Sorry, Andy. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, I think it's really in keeping with the sound of the rest of the album as well. I've always kind of described it as a really uh, a slightly angrier Lolita. So when you think of the keyboards running through it, it feels like a slightly angrier Lolita to me. Mm. So it stays on that kind of vibe, but it's amped up as we start getting towards the end of the album and we start getting the harder and funkier, more riff-driven tracks at the end and more groove-driven. I absolutely adore it. I love it. Um, I haven't got anything other than it being slightly angrier, Lolita, anything more specific to say about it. For me, there's not one element of it that particularly stands out, but I think as an overall track that starts linking together songs on the album and making it feel like a rounded package, mm. I think a really good job of doing it, that. It does a lot of good work, doesn't it? Yeah. This for me is I possibly why I skip Satisfied so much is because this... <laughs> song i love i mean it starts a really good section of the album and it oh i mean live presentations aside there's loads of these songs where i could say the live version is better or whatever and that's and i mean that's a common theme throughout print stuff anyway uh but uh this the the on the track studio version gives me the life i need and uh, the little the, the guitar flourish, uh, guitar flourishes, the interesting little chords, the the from start to finish. I mean, it's just like start a lot of energy, stop. You know, it's it's perfect. It's uh, I love it, absolutely love it. Um, it's not the most complicated thing in the world, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's you know the same way that Peach is. You know, you're not gonna. It's not going to be the one that goes down and gets critically studied by academics, but it it does everything I needed to in a guitar track. You know, it starts, he bangs away, he screams out loud, it stops, and that's a brilliant, brilliant review. <laughs> that's that's it works. No, 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 no. It really is. the word this oh this is a jump up and down the mood of this song is stunning i love it love it love it love it every little strange kind of sound okay i you know and i do know that it's 
this is I don't I don't mind he's talking more spiritually than religiously. Um, th- yeah, there are kind of Bible references in there. There's kind of pseudo spiritual stuff, and but ultimately the mood on it is you know it's a dark rainy night of the soul and and it's and and it lifts and it that guitar at the end where it comes in when that and then down it's just every thing it's like the live performance of this is killer guitars this performance like the the, the album version of it it's got this, you know, this rattling kind of uh, go-go kind of groove. It doesn't go any, you know, its arrangement is so minimally different when it, but you you feel when it lifts rather than hear when it lifts. You know, it, I don't know how to even put this one into words. This is what this is those songs that's got an intangible attached to it for me. Um, that I don't even know. Like, I know it's a strange thing to say on a podcast. Let's talk about this song. There are no words for it. No, no, no. If I could just jump in, I absolutely, absolutely agree. This and, uh, maybe disagree about this, but for me, this and The Dance are two quite odd songs for me on this album, but fit brilliantly because it's a a multi-textured uh, going back to Andy's Andy's um, comment, uh, patchwork sort of affair, um, and and yes, there is definitely something intangible about this song, which is very very hard to put into words because it's a bit of a of a genre defier. Um, lots of things mixed in. A really, it's kind of oh god, it, it makes us equal parts simplicity but depth, it, it, and jangly but tight and then it's just yeah it's weird it, it, i'm i'm struggling to to rate appropriately and adequately but yeah all i can do is hone in on what you said let, let so. me help let me help you guys this is a prince song Cheers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 this one this one is the one that gives me goosebumps yeah and yeah. It, there are if I could change one thing about it, I'd change the synth saxophone. But um, uh, but but really, this is the one that, when this was the one for me that was like, ah, oh, that's my prince. That's the guy who makes me feel like it's dark, it's flickery, it's church, but without being church. It's religion, but it's not religion. It's just urgent. Come on, um, what's the line? Come on. Get up, come on, let's do something. And there's a Don't great bit. Get saved. That yeah. to me, this song is more thunder than the other one, like the the thunder thirty one twenty one. You know, it's it's it happens. You know, this happens to me in the same evening. You know, like it's it's dark night of the soul, rain hitting the windows, and you finding a way through till the morning. This, right, which is everything that I love about Prince. You know, like this is you know, this is this is spooky. This one. It's yeah, but yeah, this is kind of like shaking. spooky. Spooky is a great word. Yeah, yes. Taking spooky electric off your back is this one. Uh, is th- yeah, this is this is in the canon of great print songs. I'm I'm so glad. 
I'm so glad that we're all kind of really aligned on this because I think this is possibly the standout track in many ways. I think it and is. I do, yeah, I'm I, I love that. Nobody else. I thought I was going to get to Andy and it's going to go, well, it's clapping. No, it, but no, it, no, no. This is the oh, one. It's not, no. it, it's got the tight lick. It's got the spookiness. It's got really nice. There's a really nice, the last the last verse where he plays with the filter on it and it swells from left, it pans from left to right and back again. Yeah. And there's a point in the song at which I think one verse ends with, one verse ends with, come, um, get up, come on, let's do something. And immediately the next verse starts with, get up, come on, let's do something. And it's just urgent and yeah. it, it pushes and it builds on itself. And it, it's like, it, it's it, it's proper, it's proper, Turn off the lights and listen to it 15 times in a row, Prince. It's the stuff that gives me goosebumps. For me, it's the layering of those riffs. When you turn this song off, there's so many riffs that get stuck in your head from this song, and you almost can't believe that each riff didn't have its own song from that. Like, uh-huh. they didn't even need to be in the same one. They could be all separate songs, and they'd all be equally as good. It's sort of, it's sort of perfectly all over the place, but yeah. in a... In a- how you can be all over the place in a coherent song. Right. It's it so goes com- back to Prince. Yeah. It's so compact at the same time. So that's what I mean when I say love is like a Michael Jackson song. This is a Prince song. Full yeah. stop. Okay. Yeah. I, I, that, I, I would agree with you on both those things there. And I didn't think I would, but um, I do agree with you on those. The, the interesting thing about this is the way that, you know, kind of get off, like the little riffs from get off were turned into a fantastic maxi single of all different songs. I just hope all the little riffs from this, he did some sort of the similar thing, like just took the riffs and somewhere in the vault is the or the, the and you know that you know there's that kind of those chords that go uh, yeah 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 you know like oh my god like the 31 21 deluxe edition 15 years from now could be something quite stunning possibly possibly exactly. sorry andy i was just going to say great observation from Leah about so many riffs and they that's what used to that's what used to amaze me again again about Prince in my golden period in the 80s was how many musical ideas and how many hooks are used just once even in a song and yeah. thrown away. And other artists would kill to just have that and they'd use that to build an entire song on it. And Prince could literally, in his heyday, in on a 12-inch version, have 20 ideas that could have built other songs from. And so it's great, it's great to hear that you know people are picking up on that in this little chunk of excellence. It's a great song. I always think of it as very electric blue flickery or neon blue. It's, yeah. It's yeah. a it's so atmospheric. It's it's proper Prince goes to spooky church. And it's that's my dark, favorite. That's it's a dark of, night in the neon city. You know, it, like you know, it's a dark rainy night in the neon city when this was when this was recorded. Do you know what I mean? Like I, yeah, it's urgent and it's about the soul. Again, it's a good example for me of you don't have to understand or care about every reference in it, or it, but it, it evokes something that is universal. It's a desperation and a longing for something more. Yeah, I think it's interesting. If you have a look, I think just this conversation about this one song now, I almost kind of am... Uh, uh, going to be kind of be forced to leave this song because you've just made me realise just quite where my prince fandom came from uh-huh um in terms of you know like because it took me back to thunder 
and quite what it was about Prince that was so, I mean, because I got so into the kind of the broader ideas of Prince and, uh-huh. you know, fandom and this, that, the other. And ultimately it was a bad time and a good song. And somehow or other that good song made it through the bad time. And and I, I think that's th- why I became, you know, Thunder was that song for me. There were other songs, Anastasia, there were I, other songs along the way, but this was God I w- one of them. I would say something that probably unites Prince fans a lot is that we like the hurt ones. Yeah. The hurt, lonely, desperate ones. Hurt, lonely, desperate, yearning Prince is such powerful Prince. He's in the temple, Prince. Do you know, you're like, yeah, it's... Just, just really just like, you know, Prince fans... Let me speak for some Prince fans, many Prince fans, not all Prince fans. I think we're quite a, we're in our heads a lot as a species yeah. and Prince talks to that and that yearning for connection and the loneliness that goes, that's the flip side of that. And when he gets, like, it's interesting how this one little song has galvanised the whole discussion here tonight yeah. because it, it's the one where I think we can all agree that's where Prince comes together for us. I love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never be lonely again. Right, some some link about us all feeling beautiful, loved and blessed. Exactly. Oh. <laughs> Let's uh, have we, each other. We, we're beautiful, loved and blessed to have each other. Uh, well, good. This song might be better than I thought because it doesn't sound terrible after the last one. So it actually might be better than I give it credit for because it just comes after such an amazing track. Yep. <laughs> so and it's and it's also it's the needed lift after that breath. This is this back. is the rain after or sorry, this is the uh, the sun yeah. coming out after the rain. Yeah. Do you know what it is as well? We were talking about how the word is so unbelievably Prince. The fact that Prince doesn't take the lead on this track so much is almost like a breather, a little yeah. bit of a break from uh, that very intense Prince moment. Definitely. Yeah. Interesting. Well, can I can I jump in? I love this song. Yeah. Absolutely love it. And like as far as I remember, it's the only real standout on Tamar's album. Anyway, I can't really remember. Maybe I'm not doing that album. Redhead Stepchild. I, well, then I then I haven't listened in long enough and should do. But um, but anyway, this is great. This is just the this is Prince doing something he can do really well, but doing it really well. Tamar brings a really nice sound to this uh, to this track. Their voices work beautifully together. I think what Leah said, having a refresher after the word, the fact that Prince's vocal doesn't come until the second verse, when it does, you're so delighted to hear it again. But you're delighted because you've also heard it in relation to Tamar's vocal. There's, I, I, um, I always saw it as an almost translation of Young, Gifted and Black as well. That's lurking in the background of this. Um, Beautiful, Beloved and Blessed. In my head, that was the inspiration for this song. It's um, He's yeah. putting forward a, you know, a black, um, talented um, protege singer or a black talented singer in her own right and beautiful beloved and blessed has that little rhyme of that uplift and that you know um i think this i it, interesting i think this is why i don't miss that wider message on 3121 the opening track because actually we get there and uh, from an album point of view the album gets there and has those oh sure i mean uh, sorry um, i i, I yeah, I, I mean, I, it's not like 
I, I just, uh, th that's just a side note to me for this song. I think it's a good message and everything, but I think at, most importantly, yeah. the song absolutely slaps, as they say these days for me. And I really love the two little minor breakdowns in it. And the first one comes when Tamar does her little kind of speak rap and it's just it's a, just a beautiful example of Prince making a little um, creative bridge. It's not quite rap, it's not quite speech, but it's got lots of little backing ups of herself, mirroring herself. These are all orchestrated by Prince, clearly. So this is uh, Pr Prince just desi designing a funky little run for Tamar. And then it also goes out on a nice little minor, return to the minor. And I can't tell you how much I like this song. It's pure class. I always wanted it to go on a little bit longer because you get that acoustic guitar kind of come in at the end. And I always just wanted another minute out of it. I just wanted to sit in that jam for a little bit longer. I hear that, but I also think Leave Them Wanting More is a like prime example is the little bit of acoustic guitar at the end of Forever In My Life. You want it forever. And yeah. it's just like, no, no, sorry. I've just been brilliant. Bye. <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose you're right. And maybe it's something that... Um, I'm trying to think. I, I think I've only seen one performance of Beautiful Love and Best live, um, but I think it's definitely a live track that could have been extended into a really, really interesting jam. For me, for somebody who doesn't like the I'm not sure this is a... I, I, in my head, for some reason, I put Force This In as being a ballad. I don't think it's quite a ballad because I think it's a little bit more, a little bit more upbeat. Um, and again, this isn't my, mm. my natural go-to, but... It's that just that chorus. It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I think Tamar on this is per it, the, the mixture. What she adds and gives is absolutely perfect. I like what um, what Leah said earlier. It, it, to have somebody who's on just the one album, so there there is a there is a little bit more ownership as opposed to oh well I've used this person I've used Sheena Easton again on Arms of Ryan or I've done this or I've done that. It's like. It, this it, there's some weird kind of sort of ownership, and I know obviously they did an album together in this song, etc. But I don't know. It, yeah, it, it works for me in a way that I'm, which surprises me a little bit. But I think it just comes down to the fact that for me, it's an absolutely beautiful melodic little chorus with a sort of slightly more up tempo ballad esque tune, and I really, really like it. Really like it. Yeah. I'm sorry. It really is a good song. I it's mean, a, it's that that out that outro groove is fantastic, and there's just little vocal moments, you know, like where it kind of breaks down uh, to just drums and him going, uh, oh. you know, like you you rescued me from the darkness, you know, like the the way he kind of like sings around that is. There's some beautiful little moments and um, some nice little subtle kind of stuff in the bass. It's really it, nice. it really feels committed. And I think I, I got to, like, I just have to say, Paddy, you're, you, 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 no, no one has ever been so right as you were right when you said what a beautiful chorus it is. It's so beautiful. It's just a, it's a beautiful chorus. Mm. It's a really underrated track, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was definitely the chorus that hooked me into true appreciation of the whole song. Uh because they say it's not my, it's not my natural habitat this type of song necessarily, but yeah, I adore it. It's lovely, love it. Shall we have a look at the dance? Let's, da let's dance, baby. This is the, the thing I really like about this is the opener, the, mm. the, the opening few bars. That sort of original soundtrack 
thing I'd that like- morphs into another tune. And as I say, I don't, I think it's probably, uh, I, I think I'll probably be the only person thinks this. I don't know. But it, something for me does equate with the word in the oddness, the word in the dance. I don't think it stands out anywhere near as much as the word. Don't get me wrong. And it's certainly because of the words, uh, Brownian motion things that are going on. The dance is is a lot more of a linear thing. Towards the end, it starts getting a little bit more interesting. But again, there's something about these two songs which feel like a bit of a pair for me on this album. But again, I can't, I couldn't quite put into words quite what that is. Um, And as I say, I love the the beginning. It just, I don't know, that little sound, there's like a soundtrack vibe at the beginning before it goes into the song proper. Um, it does sound like it sh- at the start. It sounds like it belongs on the Batman album, and then it goes elsewhere. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It always um, makes me picture. You know that uh, um that scene in the labyrinth where there's the masquerade board. That's what it does for me. It's like this, like it's it's you know like like crystal mirrored walls and like people with like kind of Amadeus style kind of masquerade. And I think this is, I, I think he might have watched Amadeus the night before or something before doing this, because it's got that kind of, it's got that kind of grandiose that, you know, like. That lushness to it. Yeah. it's, And it also it's one of the slow songs that, you know, I wouldn't call, a, I mean, is it a ballad? Does it class as a ballad? Because to me. I know. I, I th- it's more of a suite or something or a. Exactly. It's more like straight, uh, um, uh, uh, strays of the world or something like that it's not as raucous as strays of the world but it's too it's too dynamic it's too cinematic it's too you know it's still and it's that bit at the end where he starts screaming so much that you can tell there's actual there's like there's a bit of distortion on it but you can tell that the kind of i bet if you looked at the basic tracking that the actual track is peaked like when he does that baby do you really know that act like that on world this? But you know, like I wouldn't be surprised if there's actual proper gain on that track. Like he sung it too loud and too close to the microphone because it's sounding so like peaked and frazzled, and I love it. It's kind of it's so well recorded in some ways and kind of sounds badly recorded in others, but so it's got enough life. And that, enough that's again, life. that's again, classic Prince really. Yeah. Which is to basically go with what sounds and feels good. Right. Yeah. Um, it's got that about it as well. Like you say, where it's a Prince song It's like uh, with the word, it's like to me, again, this has that as well, because it's got that bit where it's like, it sounds like he's kind of left on the mistake uh, or the, you know, yeah, yeah. What makes it wrong makes it yeah. right. Interesting. I um, I I love uh, I love the idea of this song. I love that it's very different. Uh, I don't think I've ever quite. It's ever. I don't think it's ever quite done it for me as much as maybe it, it should do. I do. I, um, I I I always think, oh, this is going to be spectacular, and then I lose interest. Um, this is, I'll totally reverse my position on what you were just saying, Leah. I, I would like more of that orchestral stuff at the start. I wish he'd sat a bit more on that in this instance and given us more of a, um, you know, gone round, uh, gone round the block a few more times with that big atmospheric intro before segueing into this strange, strange, but not quite convincing sort of dream or segue or something. It's very atmospheric. 
I, 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 I feel like one day this one might open up to me and then I'll, I'll be a better person for it. How's that? I've, I've never believed it. Uh-huh. I know that sounds like a really strange comment. Um, Not even slightly. That's a good, that's yeah, a good way in. It, it, it doesn't feel organic to me. The screaming at the end, I think, is about as organic as this. <laughs> to me, everything else feels a bit forced, like he was maybe trying to do something as opposed to him just doing it. Like, oh. Prince, just do you, we'll love it. But it feels like he was attempting to do something here. And it because there's an element, it feels like an element of trying about it. And it just doesn't resonate with me at all. And it's probably the only track on the album that I'd skip. That's interesting. That's interesting. It does... Mm. It, there is a quality of his. It, I think possibly that's what Andy said about a dream. It, it it's kind of like he's trying to tell a story that he can't get out, in a way. But yeah, yeah, ah, interesting, interesting. But I, I do, no, I do like it. I think it's a, it's a, it's a strange pairing. I would, I would have liked to have had more of the stuff at the beginning. Um, I, I was going to say that listening yeah. to the album for this podcast. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant at the beginning of the album. Um, yeah, at the beginning of the song. Yeah, I definitely yeah, I would, so. could definitely could have done with him uh, not being quite so keen to get to the punch in this thing. Not that it's a punch when it comes. It's a strange. Uh, it's a strange atmospheric beast in its own right. But I really like that cinematic opening. Sorry, no. What, what um, I was going to say, just jump in now and say that I think the album for me and so much stronger than it starts even though this one doesn't quite convince i'm more interested in trying to get to know this better than bumping out 3121 or lolita all day just because i can these have this seems like it will uh it either even if it doesn't quite go all the way it's interesting in its in it's it's, right. it's less overt it, it yeah 31 and 3121 and Lolita are doing a job, which is making you you get up and move in a way. Um, this is there, there is thought here because to say you said about a dream, I think it is somebody trying to tell a story. It mm. it leans into the message in um in an articulation way rather than the mu- the the music and the groove being perhaps further up the the, the list of what it's offering and surfacing. It's also much better than the previous version. Mm, it does. Yeah. No, it does. I, I, I think sung it all falsetto, kind of like. But, but like for me, this album turns on Fury because Fury seems to unlock a really, really solid and interesting final furlong. Mm. And I, I find I, 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 like if the first, if the first half or two thirds of whatever of the album of the album had been to me as it exciting and enticing and strange as the and and also like it, it just goes up a class after fury for me this album even if i don't love the dance it's really interesting um, i don't know i i, I would I argue know. i would argue that for different reasons the first four tracks wait it i'm just looking at the track list and concentrating hard on them and i, I would argue that for different reasons and possibly the reasons which push me in a bit of a different direction to yourself at some times, Andy. But I think, I think the first four tracks are as solid as, are as solid as the last four, but four different reasons. Yeah, um, which possibly balances the whole thing even more. I don't, yeah. I, 
I think 31, Tony One and Tiamo Karazan are the two songs. I mean, because you already love Black Sweat. I think 31, Tony One and Tiamo Karazan, not so much Lolita, are the songs where you really, really need to kind of, I think it's worth another listen for you to get on the boat. Oh, yeah. that was low. I know. <laughs> But what a way to end the album. What what <laughs> a absolute banging up party town, shadow of James Brown. Let's just do this. Let's get a brilliant lead line. Let's get a brilliant verse, a brilliant chorus. And hey, here's a bridge we can jump to, which kicks ass as well. <laughs> and, and there's plenty of room for solos because it's a nice structure. Um, it... Being Prince, yes, it, it, it translates to live absolutely super in a superb way, but it sounds just as good as an, as an album track on the album as well. Absolutely banging, uh, possibly it's going to be a Beautiful Night-esque, it, it, a little bit um, type of, of, of closer at the, end of a, at the end of an album for me. Yeah, up for the downstroke, great way to end an album. Um, didn't think much of it back in the day, to be honest. Massively, uh, just because again, Prince can do this stuff, but this is a good example. Uh, this is a good song. I was massively surprised and pleased to find out how good it is on listening again for this podcast. I just uh, dismissed as too, I overlooked is a better word. I'd overlooked it because I know Prince can do this stuff. I've heard him do it many, many times before. This is, um, I, th- I think the line that sells me is we've got room for a hundred more. That's banging. That's killing. Yeah. That's kicking. That's like, that is, that, that is how, that's how you throw away a giant chorus like this. We've got room for a hundred more. It's just got everything. That's James Brown in a can. It's great. Is it not a Jehovah's Witness reference though to the elect? Yeah. yeah. It, is it? Well, that makes it even better. No, that makes it... Uh, you know what I mean? It's like I, the, I the elect that lives up oh, in it, too. But I, I guess my point is that it, if it is, it doesn't sound like it, and it doesn't... Yeah. It, 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 it's sat, it does double duty, because even if you don't know that, which I did, had no idea, it like I say, yeah. it just it just, yeah. it just sounds like... It just sounds like, uh, better by the dozen. We got room um, for a hundred more. Yeah, yeah. I'm living in the house of it sounds so funky. Who cares? Type yeah, of, yeah, yeah you know. definitely. Don't get me wrong. I actually like. I have that that same uh, mindset about um, everlasting now. Oh yeah, and yeah. Uh, the yeah, there's lyrics that yeah. It it, it doesn't. One plus in- one, oh, one plus one plus one is three, and there's you know there's lyrics in there that are like. This doesn't even st- it, it doesn't even register for me as being like noxious or offensive. And like room for a hundred more just sounds no. like it could mean anything in the context of a party song as well. I just, I just thought that's what he meant, but it didn't stop me loving the track. And you know, I still sing along. You know, and I remember the time that I really got this was after it was the first 21 night show where this was one of the encores and it was just like, Oh, (laughs) it's, it's yeah. It's like, yeah, it's really good. (laughs) Like I liked it, but like this made me appreciate it more, especially that bit, you know, like the kind of the false fade out, like Mm -hmm. they have with rock hard and the funky place that, that kind of like where it just kind of goes that, it's just a bit of that weird percussion doing that. Do 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 do. Yeah. Do 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 do. 
<laughs> like at the end, it's just like such a cute way to end it's, like an it, album like this. It was uh, it was a really good song. It feels it's, like he's had a marching band and they've just walked off into the distance and you're kind of watching them go. <laughs> it, it's it's nice to remind the listener that this is people making music because it's so slick and effortless because it's print. Yeah. So when you just break mm. it down to a few people drumming and there's almost an, uh, there's almost an overt message in there for me, which is just like, hey, these are people banging on stuff and blowing yeah. uh, blowing horns and plucking strings. We made some music here. Yeah. yeah. It's a kick alive. It's an absolute kicker. It's such a party track. Uh, I remember actually, I think the first time I heard this out of big speakers was the London boat party when we were on the boat and we were loading <laughs> people onto the boat. <laughs> and I just remember being stood on the boat going, yeah, if, if I'm going to hear this song in any context, this is it. Yeah. It um, but I think it's the perfect closer for the album. I don't think there's, a, I'm looking at the track listing now, there's nothing that I would put there instead of it. I wouldn't switch orders. I think it's the perfect closing. And when you compare 3121, the track, with the closing, you've got kind of this very isolated opener with this really oh. open, all doors, all windows open, breezy, funky track that I think um, it, you can see the journey it's kind of taken you throughout the course of the album. What's your overall takes on the album? Uh, who wants to go first? Paddy, okay, go Sorry, on. Sorry, yeah, I got to jump in. So yeah, it was, it was an interesting time for Prince. We'd had the 80s, we'd had the 90s. Um, Rainbow Children wasn't for everybody. It was niche, brilliant, superb, but niche. Um, North, South, East, West, niche. Not not a commercial, <laughs> not a commercial release. Musicology. He did some interesting things live. He gave away CDs. It was a fairly solid album, although it, it sounded very themed from beginning to end. I've said this before with one song which was particularly stand out, and if. Few, a liberal sprinkling of, of decent song. It just my opinion. And then this lands, and f- for me, this just, yeah, th- this just was like, do you know what? I'm still here. I can still do that thing. I can still do that thing. I can still do that thing, and I can still give you a box of different tasting delights. There you go. Lest you forget, I can do this, and that's how I felt about this album. I, and again, just moving forward a bit more, um, Planet Earth, I always felt was a similar thing, just not as just not as qualitative. Um, it, it was another reasonably eclectic album, and these two as a pair, I'm extremely fond of. Um, but for me, after the Millennium, thirty one twenty one is, I think the best album he released, and. I, I really, really love it. Special place in my heart, this album, in a big way, because it it really, my hero was, and that's, that's bullshit. There's an aspect of my hero landed and I could hear it through the speakers. No, there's, that's not overly profound, just there were things and I'm like, oh, thank goodness he's, he is still there. And, and I, I know, you know, this idea of, he does. He throws things away that other people would make a career out of. Yeah, and he's absolutely right. He just he just gave a, gave one or two little things out there and said, you know, you might think it, and occasionally, you know, I've got to plow my own furrow, and I might disappoint you, and you know, that's kind of your problem. I'm an artist. This for me felt like, all right, ego, 
and and God, do I appreciate it now he's gone this album, uh, especially, yeah. Hmm. I think this talk has really uh, made me appreciate the shape of the album quite a lot, actually. Um, and there are, I think it's much more, I think, I think the overall level is way higher than musicology. And I happen to like some of the highs in musicology better than I like some of the highs here. But um, I guess you've got me interested in going back to this album and listening to it a bit more than I have to. I haven't probably listened to it for years. So ah, I find it a hard one to talk about. I am um, it like even now I, I even in Sense and Candles, which I, I didn't, I find it hard to talk about that and have much to say, but there is stuff in it that intrigues me more than, and I don't quite know why. Um, there, there's more to it than meets the eye. Um, I have rarely been less articulate about a Prince album than this one, so that's probably a, something in its favour. It's confounding me. I'm so glad that I kind of threw this out as an album for us to talk about because it's one that I think so many people forget about. It's not talked about that much in the community at all. Um, and tracks like The Word and The Dance, I was really interested to hear all of your takes on it. And I'm so glad that I've, I've, I have because it's made me realise that, oh, okay, we are on the same page. Like I'm seeing the same thing that other people are um, because the community don't talk about this album, I think, as much as they should. I think it's a complete masterpiece. Um, I do prefer it to musicology, as you said, um, Andy. It, not to say that musicology doesn't have some incredible tracks because it does. Um, but for me, I would say this is my favourite album between 2000 and Artificial Age. I'd say artificial age. I maybe prefer more than this personally. Um, yeah, me too. It's a really special album within its time period and within Prince's career. Um, and it feels, I agree with Paddy very much so like, yeah, I've gone off and done my own thing. I've been self-indulgent for quite a while, but here's just a reminder. Yeah, I can still do this. There you go. Have, have 3121. Um, and I think it came at a perfect time just to reassure, not, I suppose reassure is the, the right word, um, the fans that this side of him is still there um, and that he hasn't um, completely left the masses because I think this is a far more commercial album than a lot of what he created up until this point in the more recent period. Mm. Yeah, I appreciate that this album as a kind of it's kind of like a distilling of uh someone making peace with their past as well as kind of learning how to you know like with the early 2000 stuff and all of the kind of j-dub conversion stuff like he, you know he didn't mince words he was kind of quite you know evangelical about it but then with this he learned how to integrate all of those things that he you know believed and reconcile them with the way that he makes music, you know, like say Lolita, it's like he's yeah. still abstaining, but he's still doing it in kind of funky, <laughs> you know, like it, it, it seems that, more. That's a fantastic point, Chopin. Fantastic. It was, he, he, he wasn't, there is, he's saying, he's still giving bits of messages, but there's no vitriol. There's no preach. There's no ordained minister type 
approach it. It's in the context, in the same way as we had the songs where, okay, I'm not a teenager shagging all the time. So, but I can, I can still, I can still go to that place musically yeah. and make you feel like that yeah. and do these songs. It, it, it does feel, feel to be like a, a convergence of, an, of him being comfortable with the various strands of what make him him at this time. Yeah, it's I mean, a grown-up album. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Cool. And it's kind of he felt. It sounds like he's very much at peace with a lot of things. Yeah, it's and not just kind of thematically, but musically as well. It's like he's it's it's got a confidence to it that I like. It's got a, you know sonically. I, I'm not so sure. I would rate it as highly in that era as everybody else, but then I kind of like some of the conflicted stuff and some of the uh, other stuff around it. Um, like I said before, I'm quite a fan of a lot of his wilderness year stuff, more so than some of his uh, well thought of. I don't know if that's just being a contrarian or just genuinely actually kind of appreciating it. But it's, um, but it's a solid album. I, Again, I think it's it is. Although there are some fantastic stuff on musicology, um, it is as an album a lot more pleasing. It goes by faster. It's you know like it seems you know a lot warmer mm. than, uh, than musicology. Uh, it's a good solid album and it was a fun time to be a fan and it was a concept that he didn't dump very quickly he this you know this concept outlast 3121 outlasted the next album you know he was still doing stuff with you know vegas runs you know like he's promoting planet earth but the after show is called the after show is called 3121 i think it, i think part of it is because it genuinely got in the charts without any kind of trick you know, there was no um, target, you know, tie-in like there was with Lotus Flower. There was no um, giving it away like there was with Planet Earth 2010 or Musicology. This was purely sold in the shops and still got to number two. So, I mean, that tells you something about the strength of the album and what he thought about the album. So... Mm-hmm. You know, the album got where it got without kind of like cool marketing trips or Prince being the next, you know, uh, vanguard of the music industry. It was just an album he made and he promoted and he sold and it got where it got off its own back, which is interesting, which shows you it had commercial prowess. And to me, it's like ends the kind of discussion. He could still make hits till the day he died. You know, like, you know, it was just the, you know, what's the point he'd done it before and and they kind of bolstered his claim that like yeah well why am i going to do that again so he found a way to do it his own way and that was kind of interesting and that's what i get from this album okay so thank you guys for joining us on this uh discussion of 3121 and like leah said it is kind of like an under talked about even if it's highly rated which is weird because it is actually quite a rated album it's still an under talked about one and it was an interesting time to be a fan for real always i think it's always interesting time to be a prince fan